0: Okay, uh, very good afternoon to everyone here. So I'm uh, Terence Dowie uh, from Singaporean Services. I'm uh, very happy to be the panel uh, moderator. Uh, <clears throat> though this may be the last panel uh, discussion for the day, uh, but we promise you will be hearing very interesting sharing by our panelists. As we all know, Uh, Korean expenses occupy a huge portion of shipboard uh, operating expenditure. But we also know there are going to be a very serious shortage of seafarers worldwide due to the world fleet continue to grow. So today, we will focus on the human factor optimizing the recruitment, training, retention, and well-being of seafarers. We believe this is uh, close to everyone's heart. And on this note, uh, I'm very happy to introduce our panel of experts. Firstly, we have uh, Captain Barry Khan, the HR Director of Eagle Star, uh, Captain Farid has 20 years of sea experience. He oversees the entire spectrum of human resource in Eagle Star, which includes training and development for all staff at sea and shore. Next, we have uh, Mr. Surajit Chanda, Vice President, Technical of Half Deer. is responsible for the in-house managed fleet of about 54 vessels. Hafnir owns over 110 vessels and commercially operates around 230 vessels in Hafnir pools. He previously served as chief engineer and has been working ashore with the BW group for about 28 years. We have uh, Mr. Aristos Villis, who is the co-founder and CEO of KioX. A startup focused on maritime technologies, with four active programs relating to analytics, robotics, education, and talk. QX is a spun out of Lamisola, a well known ship owning group established in Cyprus, where Aristos holds an active position as director. He is also a family member of the owner of Lamisola. So Captain Ashish Medirata, he is the head of crewing for Musk, responsible for management of crew on board Musk-owned vessels. He's involved in strategy related to development of seafarer for the future, manning of Musk vessels. Last one, Captain Li Chi he is the fleet director of PCL Group and Chairman of SMEF Singapore Maritime Employers' Federation. Many of us will know him as he actively participates in many shipping committees and always a voice to be heard in the local maritime industry. So I would like to start from Captain Lee. I cannot see you clearly, you are there. Uh, Captain Lee, as we know, that there will be serious shortage of especially officers, in the next few years, due to more vessels are delivered. So according to the latest BIMCO report, it is estimated to have a shortage of officers up to 89,000 by year 2026. So it is vital for the shipping industry to ensure adequate and continuous access to a pool of qualified seafarers and to provide proper incentives to those who choose a seafaring career. So what can we do to overcome the shortage of seafarers? Please share with us. Uh, Terence, thank you. Uh, Good afternoon,
1: ladies and gentlemen. Actually, I just want to correct the moderator a little bit. The shortage has been happening and it was the worst in the last two to three years with the COVID restrictions, as well as the uh, Russia and Ukraine conflict. So uh, I think some of you are from the container shipping. It is also the period, golden period for container shipping. We make the most money. So uh, yes, coming back to this discussion again, the shortage will be there. And uh, whatever, regardless what we do, uh, it will still be there. The reason is uh, with today's um, shipping uh, country, uh, nations that supply crew, uh, especially China, India, the GDP is improving, uh, getting more and more difficult to uh, recruit uh, cadets from, from those regions. I would think that uh, we should take a look at how we can go into uh, non-traditional uh, crew supply companies, uh, countries Just as maybe Indonesia, our neighbor here, with a population of 270 million, I think there are many youngsters there, very enthusiastic and willing to go out and explore the world. And the other point I want to mention is that about rebranding of uh, seafaring as a career. To me, obtaining a COC-1 is something that uh, all seafarers cadets uh, aspire to be. We want to rebrand it as this seafaring tenure is training period. Your career starts actually after you leave the sea. So we want to tell youngsters that, you know, once you leave the sea, your career will start. There are a lot of short job opportunities, especially in maritime hub like Singapore. The other point is that we have been uh, selling seafaring as high paying jobs. Um, You can see the world. And we are very important because we Move 80% of the world trade. But with the recent past five to 10 years of uh, investment in digitalization, automation, and we talk about decarbonization just now, I think this will be a more attractive uh, 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 selling point to the youngsters out there. So if we are unable to provide uh, well trained uh, seafarers, I think the consequences are quite serious. Uh, this includes actually uh, risk of safety, reduced efficiency, and higher costs as well. So to address this, I think the shipping company must prioritise re- re- recruitment, training, and retention of qualified seafarers. I think the fellow panellists will uh, talk more about how we're going to do this. To me, on a very uh, high level, we should uh, offer competitive salaries good working conditions and opportunities for career development. It also involves providing access to high quality training and education program, as well as promoting seafaring professions as an attractive career option. So uh, moreover, it is also crucial that regulatory framework, framework is supportive of seafarers' rights and well-being. This includes implementing international standards for working and living conditions, addressing issues related to mental health and well-being, and ensuring that seafarers are not subject to exploitation or abuse. Overall, I think the shipping industry must take a proactive approach to addressing the shortage of seafarers and ensuring that there is a continuous supply of qualified professionals to meet the growing demand. This requires a coordinated effort from all stakeholders, including ship owners, operators, training institutions, and governments. And the last point I want to make is that uh, you know, with uh, more and more difficult to uh, encourage youngsters, especially the boys, come out to see. I think uh, we should work as an industry to encourage uh, more gender diversity and include the 50% of the other population.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Captain Lee. So green is always a challenge. Just now, Captain Lee already mentioned about the rebranding of Seafarers' career and also how we can uh, attract the young generation uh, for this career. So how we can attract and retain new generation of seafarers requiring skills, how do we cater to demands of the changing needs and demands of the younger generation seafarers? So, Captain Farid, would like to share with us.
2: Yeah, th- thank you very much. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. I'm very. Con- I'm very conscious uh, we are holding uh, you before lunch. Considering it's a HR session and wellness, it's very ironic, I think. <laughs> I, I, just want to, I just want to share that uh, about two weeks ago, I just got off a ship. I was sailing for 12 days from Malaysia to Japan. And it was a very eye-opening uh, sailing trip because I'm, I've, I was at sea for 20 years, but for the last 18 years, I've, I've been ashore. And the fact that uh, I had a very senior master who's going to retire uh, sailing on board. I had a chief engineer who just got promoted his first trip. I had, uh, uh, I had two female cadets. I had two team, two engineers from our oil field, uh, oil uh, uh, fleet that was coming to the LNG fleet to do a conversion. Uh, I had four other cadets. Um, uh, and it was very interesting uh, to spend uh, 12 days with them. And the expectation and the demands and the feedback that I got received from each individual. Gave me a perception, perspective that we cannot continue to do what we are doing today. I think we need to be much, much more critical of individual needs. We must be much, much more critical of what is expected from us as employers. Because I think we've been very, uh, in the shipping industry, very cookie cutter, let's have a CBA, let's have a generic terms and condition, let's treat everybody the same, or even treat different people from different regions differently. I think that is changing. It's a very globalized world now. I think uh, a young cadet from Malaysia is the same as a young cadet. Expectations are the same from a young cadet from Ukraine, or a young cadet from India, or a young cadet from Manila. And we need to really look at how we can actually understand this, and I was really, really pleased that uh, today uh, every panel in this LinkedIn conference talked about people. And I think that's a really, really great way because, you uh, it, it know, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Capital Link, thank you for inviting us uh, for this panel because I think the critical piece is people. And if you get the jigsaw of people right, everything else will fall right. Uh, and I think it's very clear And somebody said in one of the panels that uh, we need to look at a much more sophisticated HR process. I would prefer to call it, look at it at a much more simple HR perspective. Look at what people need and address it and move forward. Uh, It is very clear that the younger generation is looking for a purpose. Uh, One of the panelists said that we are seen as a dirty industry. We definitely need to change that. It is also very clear that we are moving to a much more technologically advanced uh, operation of ships. And we need to empower and give the tools for our uh, seafarers to deliver on that. Not only the officers, but also the ratings. And that is an area that I feel is also neglected. So we need to re-look at what we do and um, somebody mentioned the Nokia moment. I think we have an HR moment here, that if we don't do this right, we will suffer the consequence of every time the BIMCO report will come out and we'll have a shortage. Maybe we should be in a position to say we are taking the right steps to make sure that we plan ahead and we look forward and we listen on the ground what is required And do the right, take the right steps to move forward.
0: Terence, thank you, Farid. Thank you, Farid. Well, I think you you have been captain for so many years, but I'm sure just now you mentioned about twelve days you follow a ship. That could be a a long journey for you after a long while, right? Uh, so very good. You have a reflection. You have a creative idea about our seafarers and the young generation. Uh, next, uh, I would like to uh, ask uh, Mr. So we know uh, shipping companies invest heavily on the seafarers to improve operations. So do seafarers feel motivated by training and development program? So what are the programs you have for your crew? And do you feel that it also strengthens loyalty to the company?
3: Yeah, good afternoon, everyone, uh, and thanks Terence and Capital Link, and I think Nicholas uh, for inviting us to this panel. I'm quite honored to be here, and especially honored to be speaking about uh, human factor in shipping, uh, which is, uh, as uh, rightly mentioned by a lot of the panelists before us, is the most important thing we need to look at. Yeah, we in Hafnia and the BW group as a whole uh, we have a lot of uh, programs uh, to train, develop, and, and of course, give career progression to our seafarers. And uh, so some of them, uh, I mean, we have navigation courses, uh, we have electrical courses, because we have uh, done away with the electrical officers on, on most of our ships. So we have electrical courses uh, for the engineers and even the deck officers. Uh, then we have, um, of course, catering courses for cooks and everything like that. Then we have our um, competency management system, uh, which, of course, uh, every rank has to complete uh, a number of tasks before is uh, considered for promotion. And, uh, and we have uh, office attachment. Uh, we bring them into Singapore, of course, for f- 59 days is the maximum you are allowed. So we bring them in uh, for a couple of months uh, into Singapore, and sometimes they work remotely from home also as uh, and uh, on projects, and even looking after ships as superintendents, remote superintendents. We give them that opportunity. Uh, keeping, and as rightly mentioned by some, uh, you know, the younger generation and the new, new breed of uh, seafarers which are coming in, you need to keep them engaged, you need to keep them uh, excited enthusiastic about about uh, the shipping line so uh, you and and, and it's, it's it's an opportune time that you know things like dual fuel uh, ships and uh, you know different kind of alternate fuels uh, are coming in so that kind of training also and sailing parallel parallel on on lng ships lpg ships g ships to get igfs igf certification these sort of things uh, and even uh, Involvement in projects or something to keep them keep them excited about the shipping so it, that 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 also makes a difference because you do get uh, a Lot of the seafarers out there Who who are looking at progression and they don't, they are not just satisfied with just doing the day-to-day shipping job. Uh, I mean uh, ships uh, Duties they want more, you know, and they want because there's inter- internet is there now they're well well connected uh, with with the world and they and they see a lot of things going on and so they are they are excited about these things. Of course, I won't forget to mention um, for any oil majors out here that we also have the Shell uh, resilience and uh, learning engagement tools that we have to you know do as a part of uh, the TMSA. Uh, yeah, I think I think there is a lot out there uh, you know that we. Put out to the seafarers, and we give them. Uh, they have their appraisal systems, and you know we have conference calls with the ships, uh, video conferencing calls nowadays, and uh, we we speak to uh, the senior officers and even the junior officers and the crew, and uh, we try to ed- identify if there is any any kind of training that they require and or any kind of uh, so we, we and we take action on these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. Okay, thank you, Sergeant. Uh, so may I ask? Uh, on uh, average, uh, in uh, half year, what will be your uh, retention rate of your of your crew?
3: For officers, it's even it's about 98%, not, 98 percent, but in general, it's
0: 96. Well, that's uh, looks very high. I think that could be the don't Don't ask me about the office, please. <laughs> 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 will be the uh, very good result of your your investment in uh, training, right? Uh, thank you very much. So, Captain Ashish. Uh, Of course, from an early discussion with uh, uh, other panelists, we heard about training and development of crew. Could you please share, how will the crew be future ready, i.e. ensuring that crew is ready for future vessels, e.g. different fuels, uh, like uh, ammonia, methanol, uh, essential, or even a battery-operated vessel, uh, semi-autonomous vessels, and so on. Uh, could you please share with us your point?
4: Thank you, Teres. And uh, good afternoon to all ladies and gentlemen here. I think uh, we all are in an important session talking about people at sea. And uh, I've heard the various other panelists, in some form or shape, have talked about about crew on board. So that also makes it very relevant. Is you can have the most advanced vessel, you can have the best hardware. But what matters actually is the one operating it, and uh, there is crews being talked, and especially if we take in the last couple of years during COVID, a lot was talked about seafarers. But I only see it becoming more profound now in all the discussions. So when you talk about hardware, you talk about cargo. I think seafarers are talked probably at a higher level over there, or the importance or the role they contribute in this, and. Uh, Safety or training has been paramount. I think for all of us who have been uh, at sea, have realized or known that training was paramount. Whatever you do, you are trained for it. You go through various drills, etc. Right, And they have proved beneficial. So a lot of things have been avoided because of a high level of training being uh, imparted by various institutes or companies. And some could be market leaders in that. However, the training which we did 10 years, 20 years back would that take us to the next uh, century? I don't think so. While the basics still remain the same, how you launch a lifeboat, etc., et cetera, but you also need to start to see as what do we require in the future? And taking a cue from Captain Lee's point is where we have people from the local, you know, from the more profound nations not coming out to see, how do we make it more attractive for them? And probably decarb is something which people start to understand more and the younger generation Released really has believing more uh, than the others right and uh, with that in mind is how do we prepare our seafarers for the future is it going to be solved by one company or an administration i don't think so it has to be an uh, industry getting together if it is ship owners ship managers classification societies and more importantly the administration also playing a role so this is also going to be an example you know where a public partnership or when we take uh, the industry and the government gets together. When they partner, we can achieve this. What I've understood in some reports, over 200 odd seafarers, 200,000 odd seafarers need to be trained for the future vessels. With 100 methanol vessels already in order now and many more to come and probably going into ammonia, it just becomes more important. And there is currently a restriction facilities available as to what can be done so just to share I was talking to one of the administration a couple of weeks back and they said we would like to train in ammonia but we do the IGF because we for methanol sorry we would like to do training for methanol but that's not available for us to do you need to get a big parcel you can't do a small parcel for training etc and that's where everyone needs to come together is how do we make these uh, equipment slash fuels available for training so we have our crew trained in that equipment and fuel rather than something similar to that so in most we have uh, we'll be getting a first methanol vessel in june and uh, we have invested extensive training uh, along with the class and with training institutes in training our crew for these vessels and we are looking at more options as to how to expand that and how do we have a future crew. Ready for those vessels. But uh, to summarize or to end, I think it's going to be an industry coming along in order to prepare our crew, and uh, we need to step on the gas now. Thank you, Terence. Thank you very
0: much, Captain Shish, for sharing. So, we all know that the industry are moving uh, very quickly toward uh, Industry 4.0. How can the ship industry embrace technology? To improve the working condition of seafarers, improving our safety and reducing their workloads. Uh, Mr. Aristos, would you like to share with us? Uh,
5: thanks for the very interesting question, Terence. And uh, if I also take the opportunity to congratulate Capital Link for another very successful forum. Um, indeed, yes, we, de- we do see a lot of industries moving towards 4.0, but uh, for shipping to to benefit from the smart connection of uh, of machines that take decisions in between them and they get better and better and uh, benefit from digital twins and even cloud computations there is one critical element that must be met first and that's uh, about connectivity and unfortunately until today i estimate about 40 percent of seafarers cannot even access the emails while out at sea and perhaps something between five or ten percent of seafarers can occasionally make a video call back at home so Um, This has to be met first, and uh, obviously, until today, cost was a major obstacle. But we are all experiencing right now a major disruption in the industry with Starlink, uh, that you can get 40 or 50 times faster internet on board at a fraction of the cost. So I I estimate within the next year or two, that's going to be a major makeover of the industry, and the percentages of connectivity on board are going to change dramatically. And once we achieve that, for the seafarers, what we will actually unlock and empower is their mobile phones, which is a very, pow- very very powerful tool. Um, and as a matter of fact, when you look at the, the majority of the major issues faced by seafarers, for example, loneliness, uh, mental health issues, fatigue, injuries, um, repatriation issues, bullying, harassment, so on and so forth, a lot of these things can be mitigated or even avoided just by uh, communication and connectivity. So. If a diver can communicate to speak at someone ashore um, or even get um, help from uh, automated bots on board or even from remote operators uh, or even at a more advanced stage by again using their mobile phones uh, and with the use of mixed realities and augmented realities, get instant feedback for troubleshooting uh, using the power of artificial intelligence or again in real time with communication with uh, operators at the office, we're going to see a dramatic improvement uh, in the improvement of uh, sorry, the, the working conditions on board, uh, because you're going to have seafarers that are more confident, motivated, and they're going to feel safer in general. And then you can move into the next phase of 4.0, where you can use uh, drones and robots to perform um, uh, remote surveys um, or inspections. And this will, again, help with safety, because uh, crew Uh, will not have to climb through dangerous ladders or even uh, enter in enclosed spaces as much. Uh, So again, safety goes up, uh, workload goes down. And another major benefit, I think, uh, that will come by being connected so much with the vessels and with every seafarer directly is all this acquisition of data. Um, It's it's going to transform a lot the e-learning space. Uh, and I think artificial intelligence will come in and personalize e-learning uh, to to be customized on the pace of learning of every seafarer and the actual needs of learning. And this is going to be dramatically important and critically important, actually, when it comes to upskilling and reskilling our seafarers to cope with all these new technologies, uh, the new fuels that are coming in.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Aristos. Technology is changing uh, at a fast pace, and shipping infrastructure is not really uh, keeping up, uh, develop, uh, train, and support seafarers. So, how can we close this gap, and what are the companies doing to mitigate the risks? Captain Farid, would you like to share with us? Uh,
2: Thank you. Um, I think that's a very uh, relevant question. Um, I think in the earlier panel, there was a mention that IMO is not moving fast enough. There was mention about SOLAS. We should also mention STCW. Uh, I think uh, it's very, very clear that uh, STCW was made for the past. We need to change that really, really quickly. Uh, And it will take uh, the buzzword collaboration. Uh, And that is definitely in my view, not happening fast enough uh, with the industry. Uh, there is effort, but it's more driven by maybe forward-looking companies. Maybe uh, this is like preaching to the converted, we should actually apply this right across. It is very clear that there must be a concerted effort to do this. Um, in Eagle Star, we are lucky to be part of the MIC group because uh, we, we do have an integrated uh, service uh, provider Provider and we we have a school in Malaysia that does the the, uh, the training. We have a shipyard. We have uh, a, a team that is actually looking at carbon capture today. So uh, in that sense, we are in a much better place uh, in in moving and putting this jigsaw puzzle together, but uh, not every, not every shipping company has that luxury or, every, or, or other ship managers have that luxury. So how can we work together uh, to do this? We have collaborated with uh, another third party manager to do training on our ships. And I think we need to see more and more of this uh, in the industry, where we can actually learn from each other, share the knowledge and be much, much more transparent on how we're going to move this forward. The collaboration that we are doing with the Marine Department of Malaysia, with the Singapore Maritime Academy, with uh, with uh, our own school in Alam in Malaysia, shows that it can work. And combining working with class, working with uh, charters, working with, uh, with uh, uh, providers of the cargo itself, will move us to the right place. It's idealistic, but we need to start somewhere. And I think there are places where we can do this better. And it is very, very clear that uh, if we don't, as as an industry do this, we will lag behind. And there must be a concerted effort to get this done in a structured way and be more open and transparent about achievements as well as gaps on what is not working so we can address it and move forward.
0: Thank you, Farid. So let's continue to talk a little bit more about the application of new technology. So we know that uh, uh, Aristos, we know that KOX uh, uh, is a maritime technology company. Uh, I heard you have two products, right? KOX Education and KOX Talk, Seafarers Voice. Uh, it fits very well with what we are discussing today on optimizing the recruitment, training, retention, and well being of seafarers. So could you please share with us about your development and how they can contribute to the seafarers?
5: Sure, uh, with pleasure. Um, actually, we have four products, but uh, two of them are related to the vessel and the optimization of the vessel. And the other two, as you mentioned, is about the human element on board, seafarers. Yeah. As you mentioned uh, in your introduction, Kilex is a sp- spin-off from a shipwarning group, so actually some of these products are uh, the evolution of processes we had at the owning company, uh, and we took them further and we further development. So Kilex Education is uh, essentially an e-learning content creator, uh, and we produce courses on topics that we feel we are experts in. Uh, and for example, safe handling and transportation of dry bulk cargos. We produce one course per cargo. For example, safe handling and transportation of coal, uh, nickel ore, soybeans, uh, steel coils, cement, so on and so forth. And this idea actually started uh, again from the ship owning group. We used to gather the officers uh, that were on leave at our training centers, and uh, we used to go there and discuss about these seminars, these topics, um, and. What basically achieved with this is you offer clarity in terms of the responsibilities of the officers uh, to know how to spot a suspicious cargo, or um, what the authorities are, how to reject or approve a cargo, or what paperwork they need to look for, or even what kind of tests they can do on board to check, for example, the, the moisture content of uh, a suspiciously looking uh, con- uh, cargo. Um, and. When we were doing these courses, what we noticed is that uh, two things. First of all, all the crew highly embraced these courses because it's a matter of fact that uh, senior officers with quite a few years of experience may only have the opportunity to carry four or five different cargoes in their career. And suddenly one day you have to load nickel ore that you never did before. So if you do a quick course, at least you will have a quick checklist to to know what you have to look after. And it can prevent uh, disasters and help you in general with the operation and your career advancement. And second of all, we had no claims from cargo handling. So we thought, okay, let's put them under the technology company. And uh, we brought in motion graphics specialists uh, to make them a little bit playful uh, and engaging for the audience. So we uploaded these courses to different uh, platforms out there. And briefly about Kilex talk, uh, you you can think about that as, um, as a messenger application. And uh, the reason we developed one and we didn't go, you, go to use, for example, something like WhatsApp or WeChat is, is because we wanted to tackle two I- issues. First of all, um, to, to contact someone on WhatsApp, you must have their contact details. So a lot of CFRS, and especially ratings, would not even make the effort to go and try to find the right contact details because it's an awkward procedure. Um, and second of all, it provides anonymity. So CRS can use this uh, tool basically to, to seek for help for support, uh, even whistleblowing in, in times of, of, uh, of need, and uh, actually they can even use it for re employment opportunities. Thank you, Aristos.
0: Wish your a startup a good success. Thank so you so much. Sh- uh, at MERSC, we know you are the key driver for care for our people and diversity at sea. Could you please share with us how you may achieve your? so-called DEI targets. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Terence, and I think uh, if you take DNI, is a p- buzzword nowadays. So wherever you go, you hear about DNI compliance and what all companies want to do for it. Shipping, as we know, has been a career which is considered tougher compared to working in an office or compared to working even in airlines. And it's been a male-dominated uh, industry for quite some time. And yes, we've had, uh, what, over 2, 2.5% two of women seafarers across uh, the globe, but that number is too small compared to the population and the talent we have available, which can be used out at sea. And uh, for us in Maersk, it's been uh, a focus area uh, how to increase our uh, women seafarers pool out at sea. And uh, We have taken a few measures over there, and I guess uh, that would be relevant for all also, is going out to schools, sharing with them over there, to the girls over there, there is a career out at sea, and it's not what you think. A lot of people have some pre-notions about uh, sea life, but I think that has to be cleared also. Sharing the benefits, the career opportunities, the learning opportunities, and I think that is helping us a lot. And also running, various programs, what can be done is to create that, you know, possibility for them just not to sell with MERS, but for other companies also. And I know, uh, and I've heard many are now going into special cadet programs, et cetera, is to get more women out at sea. And I think, uh, to Captain Lee's point about where we'll see a shortage in time to come, I think the women would play an important role, is not to fill the shortage, I would say, but rather is to show this as a career which can be explored by the authors also. Europe has uh, in the past and today also has quite a few women seafarers while that number is less in Asia and this is where a potential is seen is to increase that number is across all ranks and even for ratings also. So I think the time has come now where the industry needs to get together is to make sea going a valuable career Where there is beyond, uh, when you go out to sea, they show opportunities quite good after that too. And then, you know, maybe a good point is to start from some career programs or training programs where they start to see from the beginning as to what is a career out at sea. But important element also is we can train people, we can encourage them, but also is to create a safe working environment on board, where people from all nationalities, all race, all uh, gender do feel safe on board. And I think creating a safe working environment on board is also going to be crucial for all of us to deliver on our DNI uh, ambitions.
0: Thank, Thank you very go. much, Captain Ashish. Thank you for your sharing. Mr. Uh, Surajit, just, uh, just now we heard about uh, BW Group from uh, your chairman, uh, Andrews Raman Paul. He mentioned about the ESG culture of uh, BW Group. Of course, is part of BW uh, group. Can you please share about e- what is your ESG programs and how you implement them, and what, what are the challenges you are facing? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, um, Terence. I think uh, with
3: the time available now, uh, ESG is a huge topic. So I won't, I'll just concentrate on the seafaring side. Uh, on the environment, uh, because uh, we have started uh, Green Logs, uh, the digitalization of all log books, especially the environment log books. So these are, it's already implemented on all the in-house ships. Uh, so we are now, uh, we've got oil record boat, books, garbage records, uh, ballast water records. and Now we are doing uh, deck and engine room log, uh, logs also. So slowly we'll get into this. And of course uh, other things. And this is all to, you know, Ease, ease the workload and rework and errors uh, which the seafarers make, so it makes life easier for them. On the social side, uh, I'm very excited uh, about the DEI lab vessels, with, which we have committed four DEI lab vessels, uh, two from, from the internal fleet, which I handle, and two from the external fleet. So our ambition is to have 50% female seafarers on these ships. By the end of this year, uh, we may not ever get there, but we are going to give it a good shot. So, and and we will learn on the way. I mean, we will sort of slowly ramp it up. We are not going to compromise on any safety or or operations or you know the well welfare of even the male seafarers on board. So, but we will try and do it step by step, and we will learn along the way. And if we do succeed, so be it, and we'll and that'll that'll. to get this equal opportunity so that's that's something we are very excited about uh, and uh, on the governance side uh, yeah we have we have policies in place especially um, for anti harassment and bullying uh, we have for anti corruption and uh, bribery which we are members of MACN uh, so yeah i think the time's up so thank you very much uh, Thank
0: you, uh Okay, uh, I think time is up. And uh, the last question, the ending question, I would like to ask uh, Captain D, uh, uh, talking about uh, cyber security. So, with the increasing use of technology on board ships, cyber security is becoming more important than ever. So, what training program do you have for your crew? Thank you. Yeah. Okay, this is, uh, I think, the last
1: uh, question. Uh, I requested the moderator to be included because it's so important. You know, the weakest link is our seafarers on the ship. So recently, we had a risk workshop where our head of fleet IT explained the advancement in IT and OT on the ships as well as the risk of cybersecurity attack for the vessels. So, uh, uh, industry-wide... From the industry, we are already doing a white paper. There's a white paper going to be published very soon, uh, sponsored by SMF, entitled Future Proving Seafarers. And one of the key topics is about cybersecurity. But in our company, our management asked me, they said, since it's so vulnerable, what are we doing on the ship now today? So, of course, we have the requirement of pre-joining cybersecurity training using CBT, And we feel that that is not enough. So the few things that we did was, number one is about uh, strengthening our network on the ship. We have invested uh, quite a lot in technology in protecting the network on the ship. Number two is uh, improve our SOP and our processes. And number three, that is really crucial, that instead of just the pre-boarding cybersecurity awareness course done on CBD, and I think to many it's just a checkbox exercise, how well is it going to protect our network? We don't know. Uh, we have actually come up with an idea. While we are waiting for IMO, we know it's 10 years behind time. We have already put out May, uh, April, sorry, July will be the first course that we're going to conduct. We have shortlisted the third officer and the ETO as the first crew on the ship to be trained. And by 1st January 2023, the crewing team will have a crewing matrix where the plan for the 22-23 crew on board a ship will have at least one person undergone the training. And this person will be uh, our cybersecurity ambassador and cybersecurity champion or whatever we call a trainer. And I think with this uh, very uh, proactive action, we hope that we can uh, bring the captains and the crew, everybody to understand the importance of cybersecurity. Uh, We uh, regularly, we send out freezing tests. Uh, I was asked what will be the the deliverables. The freezing tests to the ship, we score badly because as you know, they're very boring on ship and they'll just click anything that comes into the mailbox. So we want to track this and by, probably by middle of next year, we want to see how much we can improve uh, after we roll out the uh, training courses. We are also working with the industry, uh, Wavelink, I don't know if representatives is here, we are trying to push this training course across the industry uh, so that uh, while we are waiting for the white paper or IMO to implement something to protect our network on the ship, at least we have something uh, uh, with us, thank you.
0: Okay, thank you so much, Captain Lee, for your contribution. Uh, I think lunch is ready outside, so it's a time for us uh, to close today's uh, panel discussion. Once again, thank you very much for our panel. Uh, thank you for your contribution. So now I hand the time back to uh, Nicholas.
3: Dear friends, thank you very much. It has been a great day, packed with very interesting and insightful comments. I think we uh, can enjoy lunch. Again, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next year, if not before.